You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne. I'm joined by uh, Phillies Director of Fun and Games, John Brazier. We're coming to you from the Richie Ashburn Broadcast Booth at beautiful Citizens Bank Park. And today, um, John, it's not quite as beautiful because it's raining, and it's been raining a lot this week. It has been raining a lot, but I think we're going to get the game in today. We're recording this on Wednesday, right before the game that got moved up in Baltimore. Uh, against the Orioles, so we'll have a one game with the Orioles and then another game, a makeup in July. And uh, but if they bang today's game, will there be a doubleheader? I guess there would have to be. Yeah, right? I'm surprised they announced uh, a makeup a date, date last night. Well, they must have made that announcement knowing that they could have a uh, doubleheader, or they saw the weather and they were pretty confident. Yeah, well, we'll see. I know there's a group of uh, Phillies fans on their way down, uh, Phillies employees. I know we have a couple buses going out today, so hopefully they get that uh, game in for their sake. And but buses going out to the Reading Phillies. It's yeah. a big bus day today. It's a bus day today, and here we are at beautiful Citizen Bank Park, John, in our favorite place. But uh, And, hey, we're coming off a great homestand, right, John? I mean, uh, we won five of six. We swept the Giants. Four-game series. Uh, Second time we've done that. Yeah, it was awesome. Obviously, we did that against the Pirates, a four-game series. So, yes, it was a, a very good uh, homestand. Really could have been an awesome homestand. Unfortunately, we had a little uh, hiccups. but, uh, but one, There was one hiccup. But for the most part, yes, it was yeah. a great uh, homestand and uh, good to see things for the future. But you know what, Tom? We have on somebody today. You know who we have on today? I think I do because I'm the co-host. <laughs> But and, go ahead, John. And who do we have on, Tom? <laughs> How about that Nick Gay-Morandini? Can you say that guy's name? <laughs> and when he comes in here today, are we going to be able to do it without imitating Harry Callis? You know what? We were just talking about this, and I think he hears that. He said, I think, every day of his life, somebody says, Nick Gay-Morandini. Well, say the name without Harry Callis. I can't. <laughs> so what do you try. mean? I, try never, saying it. His name is Mickey Morandini. <laughs> You've never done that. I've never you? done that. I've yeah. never done it either. So we're going to have to do that today. I know. Because he's going to be looking at us like, you idiots, this is what we're trying to get away from. Uh, but yeah, so we also, last homestand, before we get away, before we talk about Mickey, um, we actually became, uh, both of us were part of history in a certain manner, in a dubious distinction, that uh, the history would be the worst first pitch in the history of Phillies baseball. I know. That was unbelievable. You, you tell the story, John. Because every, there are people in this organization who are blaming you for that bad pitch. Because well, <laughs> you were you were with I was our con- boy. I, well, I was kind of part of it. Uh, so, yes, we had Akbar. I'm going to butcher the name. Akbar uh, Gabaja Bimelia. So that's my best shot at it. That's pretty good. He is the host of American Ninja Warrior. And their American Ninja Warrior was in town in Philadelphia uh, broadcasting their show. It was pretty cool, actually, when you watched it. Uh, big crowd. I think our, our buddy Rob Brooks went down there to, to check it out. Uh, but this guy played, was an athlete. He was a defensive lineman for the Oakland Raiders. So he went on the pregame radio show with that Jim Jackson, 
and he comes out of the pregame radio booth. He probably had about 10, 15 minutes before he's going to throw out the first pitch. Well, he's lingering in the concourse, and he was talking to John Ritchie and Joe DeCamera, who just finished up their show before Jim Jackson's show. And John Ritchie played for the Raiders, so they didn't play together, but they knew they knew each other. I think John might have played with Akbar's brother. So anyway, somebody asked him, have you ever thrown at the first pitch? And he said, no, I haven't. And I happened to be talking to Joe DeCamera right next door. And he said, well, talk to John. He's, he's the one with the Phillies that you know, deals a lot with uh, first pitches. He can give you his advice. So I gave him the advice that I give everybody. Uh, the advice is you do a nice, easy throw, right? You're better off going too high than too low. I always tell people, if you go too high, you get a ooh. You go too low, you get a boo. You'd rather have an ooh than a boo. Nice. And the way you throw too low is by trying to throw hard. Because when you try to throw too hard, you, sometimes you, your alligator arm it, and you go right. You basically spike it, go right into the dirt. So I gave them all that that information. I stay on the concourse. I watch him walk down uh, with the hostess, and I see him talking to Gabe Kapler. And I think he's probably talking to some players. Well, what do you think there? If he says to the play, to a manager who's a former player and to players, if he says, "What do you think? Do you have any advice?" What do you think they're going to tell him? Oh, hum it in there. Let's right. see what you got. They don't no, care no. about this guy fail. And he's an NFL player. You think, oh, he's an NFL player. He's you know he's uh, ex NFL player. He's got to have some some Athleticism, skill, right? right. So I get now. I don't know for sure because I wasn't there. So I don't know what advice they gave him. Maybe Gabe was telling him how to grip or do something. But I guarantee at some point, it, whether it was actually said verbatim or it was insinuated, something about throwing hard. <laughs> well, he did many things wrong. So I'm watching from the concourse. Right? He goes out on the mound. First of all, most of the first pitches take place in front of the mound. He goes up on the mound, oh, and that's right. already inviting trouble because yeah, you're now dealing sign. with angles. Yeah. It's already hard enough what I just said, but now you're dealing with angles. He gets up there and. Two, he compounds it by hamming it up, and I'm sure I'm sure Chrissy Long, who we've had on here before, who deals the first pitches, she was probably shaking her head, saying, "Come on, you know, let's yeah. go." Yeah. He's over two right now. Yeah, he's over two, and then he <laughs> does like the big leg kick, which oh, I brother. can't even do. I've tried to do that, and I just can't extend my leg to parallel to the ground, which he did. And what does he do? He sp- he tries to throw hard, and he spikes it, and it goes. The, the cameraman had to get out of the way. And you, as best friend of the Fanatic, you yeah. probably saw that the Fanatic just stood there and he turned to the side like, did you see Watch that? Watch it go by. <laughs> did you see that happen? And looked right back at him, right? The Fanatic took it easy on him, actually. He could have fainted. Feeling, he yeah, could have. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things the Fanatic does. If, the, if there's a really a bad first pitch, the Fanatic will go out and shake the guy's hand and, hey, you know, no problem, no problem. But then as he's walking off, the Fanatic makes the call to the bullpen for the <laughs> left-hander. You know, or he'll right. walk behind the guy dragging his arm or just kind of look to the heavens. Like, But I, I thought uh, it was – What about that no, no fainting? like a goat like when a goat gets scared it faints could you not just like just faint yeah it was more of that look of when that ball went past the fanatics like are you kidding me after all that and you know what it was so apparent watching the fanatic it was actually the to me it was the perfect reaction uh but i was just you know we were talking off the air there were some there were some great first pitches but there were some absolutely awful first pitches do you remember any real good ones well i know you, you, uh, we had doug peterson to start the season and you talked to him too didn't you john I you gave, gave him some pointers. i gave him the same advice yes. we, t- we this is opening day we took him out underneath the uh, the ballpark in the batting cage, and I gave him that advice. Well, he gets out there and he's throwing seeds. I mean, he's one after another. Not only heaters, in practice, in practice, not yeah. only heaters, but they were they had a little cut to them. They had a little yeah. movement. But you were nervous because once you go out there, 
there. Right. It's like, hey, it's a, I always say it's a ceremonial first pitch. You right. don't have to be Nolan Ryan. Right. It's a ceremonial first pitch. Just throw the ball over the plate. Right. And I again, I gave him my advice, but he was probably just looking at yeah. that lip service, paying lip service. He goes out there and he doesn't even do the windup. He, in fact, he was quicker to the mound. He basically just fired yeah. it. And it was an awesome. I mean, the it was fanatic awesome. caught it, right? Uh, it wasn't the fanatic. No, we had who did we have uh, catch first ball? Was it Reese? Uh, maybe uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Reese. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. yes, that was that was one of the better ones. Now, one of the worst ones that we've had. Uh, well, let me. Here's another story on that advice. Matt Cord, the Sixers PA yes. announcer. <clears throat> this is about five years ago, and I give him the advice down at spring training. I give him the advice, just what I told you. And he's all set. He's he's on the he's about to walk out to the mound. Chase Utley walks past him. Now Chase knew Matt just from I guess through his relationship. And uh, Matt said, "Hey Chase, you have any advice for throwing the first pitch?" And Chase said, "Yes, throw it as hard as you can, <laughs> right? With a little little more emphatic uh, yeah. and some other words which thrown in there." Which is terrible advice, right? Which is terrible advice. So Matt's <laughs> last words were hearing that he goes out there. They introduce him and Sixers PA announcer Matt Cord. Matt, same thing. It was almost as bad as it would have been as bad as Akbar's if, if it if it didn't go straight because it went straight, but he spiked it. It went literally three feet into the ground and then it rolled to home plate. And spring training, as you know, it is impossible to get booed. He got booed, <laughs> he got booed. in spring training. And <laughs> oh, I looked at it and when he court. came off the, off the field. I said, <laughs> I told you, who are you going to listen to, the ball player or the guy oh, who, my gosh. who handles this? Well, there's, there's a reason why the Fanatic wears a glove now. Again, ceremonial first pitch, just kind of lob it in. You don't you know, have to prove anything. But uh, Twilight, the movie, which I never saw. You know, It was uh, about vampires, yep. I think, Twilight. Uh, but one of their actors, Jackson Rathbone, was throwing out the first pitch. And this knucklehead uh, doesn't hear the words ceremonial first pitch. He's thinking, how fast can I throw it? He hums one in. And for years, traditionally, the Fanatic has never worn a glove when he catches the first pitch. And sure enough, the Fanatic catches in such a way that he uh, tears a ligament in his hand. And, um, you know, we kick Ratbone off the field. <laughs> and, um, yeah. It, it, Does the Fanatic have to go to a Galapagos uh Doctor? <laughs> Where did he? He went to some vet, I think, down the street in South Philly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, but ever since then, we had a, a, a glove, especially made. It's, a, it's an oversized glove. It still doesn't fit his hand real well. But now if some knucklehead decides to throw, wants to throw it 80 miles an hour, the Fanatic has at least a little protection. Any other injuries, or is that the only first pitch injury? Well, as a matter of fact, the second game that, uh, you know, I was the friend of the Fanatic. It was my second game as the friend of the Fanatic. We had opening day in yep. 1994, and this is like the first night game, and if you remember, John, they used to throw the first pitch uh, next to the dugout. Yes, the from, vet. from the first base. Uh, exactly, the mayor's the, box, the mayor's they box, would call exactly right. That's right. And so I remember, uh, they uh, we had a marching band pregame, and I remember, oh, the first pitch, they had this girl, a clarinet player, walk from the center field after she had just played into the mayor's box. She had been selected to throw out the first pitch. Meanwhile, I'm like fired up. This is, you know, my second game as the friend of the Fanatic. So I'm out there with the Fanatic, and uh, she throws this ball, and uh, it hits the Fanatic right in the neck. The Fanatic wasn't paying attention. Fanatic wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, you know, he's fired up. So this is my second game. But it hits the Fanatic in, ne in the neck. The problem is that's exactly uh, for some reason. I don't know why, John. You know, the mystery is the I wound up with a black eye. You as a best friend. <laughs> yeah. That is weird. How does that happen? It hit the Fanatic in the neck, and yet I wound up with the black eye. It, it defies that, science, how John. How did that happen? It just defies science. <laughs> but I just remember feeling like such a loser. I mean, here it was, the second, you know, game, and I'm all fired up, and uh, – 
you know, the clarinet player takes takes me out. <laughs> All right, before we go to Mickey, let me tell you this one uh, because do you remember the last uh, game at the vet? I do. Right. So, or was the last or game? Last or opener. Last it was opener at the vet. Day. Yeah. So we are we in the offseason are going to have this extravaganza. We're going to take every one of Bill Giles' great ideas. We're going to have Kite Man and Rocket Man, and we have all these different ideas. Well, do you remember the one the one gentleman who uh, hurt his hand? Actually, I think he lost his hand because uh, it was playing fireworks. With, playing with fireworks. Yeah, firecrackers. And he had the, right. he's from New Jersey, and he had the, he was the first hand transplant recipient. Yes. In America. Okay, so he's getting all kinds of. Uh, so we wanted to invite him down to throw out the first pitch, and we actually he had mentioned it was his dream to throw out the first pitch, you know, with his kid, this and that. So we 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 think it was his dream. No, that, <laughs> John, let me interject right here. <laughs> this is when I knew you were good at your job because you're the, the complete spin doctor. A- after a while, in the media, the guy it was being said that his dream after he had this hand plant yeah. surgery was to throw out the first pitch at a Phillies game, <laughs> yes. and he had this dream and uh i remember talking to you and fat and talking to the guy and he's like yeah i i, I, know, I don't re- ever remember having a dream no, he, about no, that he went with it he went with it because he, he thought he thought everyone kept saying it to him that he thought he actually said it so it said it must be true it was your dream <laughs> but it was my dream <laughs> it was your dream to make a good this guy PR, never dreamed about throwing out a first story. pitch but it worked out it did work right. it was on so, every front page in the country i mean oh, it, was it was huge awesome. yes it was but, awesome. but so now let's set the scene again so here i'm in the dug out with uh, I can't I think his name is Matt but we'll call him Handman for Hand just for he was just because it goes along with the Kite Man theme and, yes. and Rocket Man. So I'm in the dugout with Handman. We are about to have a <laughs> jet propelled guy <laughs> with a jet propelled backpack taking the first pitch and rocketing up to the upper deck, the 700 level, handing the ball to Kite Man. Yes. Kite Man is going to come down and uh, parasail or whatever he's doing. Uh, fly down to the field. And he's going to give it to Handman. Then Handman's going to walk out to the mound and throw out the first pitch, yes. right? So we were all kind of nervous. Just there's a lot of things that can go. A lot of moving parts there. <laughs> a lot of moving parts. A lot of things that can definitely go wrong. And Handman says to me, Matt, he says, uh, "Hey, man, I got to tell you, I'm I'm pretty nervous." I said, "You're nervous? I got a guy who's in a back, you know, jet-propelled backpack, going to go up to upper deck. He's going to give it to a guy named Kite Man who's, gonna, who's already failed in the past. Right. Who's going to come down and give it to you?" I said, "You have the easy part." <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know if that settled him down or made him more nervous. No. Well, you had a dream, John. I had a dream. <laughs> well, let's see. Why don't we uh, wrap up uh, this sex, uh, segment here, John, and uh, we'll bring in Mickey. Uh, can't wait to talk to him. We're going to talk a little bit about his career. Say his uh, name again without Harry Cows. We're going to talk to Mickey Morandini today. <laughs> good uh, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll bring Mickey in uh, right after this. Toyota brings you the Reese Hoskins starting lineup collectible figure. Free to all kids 14 and under. Sunday, May 27th at 1.35 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Order tickets now at phillies.com. And we are back at Citizens Bank Park, and it's Phillies backstage. And, John, aren't we... Thrilled to have our guest with us, Mickey Morandini. Oh, you did it. How about it? I did, did it, it without sounding like Harry Cow. You, did it, you know I'd... why? You did it fast. Uh, yeah. You purposely burned through that so I you did. wouldn't do that. You wouldn't have to enunciate. I knew if I you thought... can't enunciate without doing Harry Callis. John, you're killing me right now because I want to do it so bad. But we're not going to do it. <laughs> Probably by the end of the show, we're going to do it. But, um, Mickey Morandini. Uh, I Can I say I'm sitting by my second and third favorite 
people in the Phillies organization. Uh, who's number one? Debbie Everybody Cito? else. <laughs> Everybody else. <laughs> uh, look at you. Start, wow. You're on fire already. <laughs> My who, God. Who's, who's second and who's third? <laughs> um, Tom's second. Oh, nah, third. Killing sucker. Me. Killing me. <laughs> How about it? Well, it's great to have you here, Mickey. You know, uh, Phillies ambassador. Does, does this mean we have to, like, bow down I'm every time waiting. we see you? You guys have not even acknowledged me yet that I'm team ambassador. Do you get diplomatic license plates? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you do not. I Dipl- do not. <laughs> Are you hoping for Malta next year? Well, you know, this is early in my ambassadorship. So, <laughs> yes. you know, we'll build up to some things like that. I want, like, uh, escorts from the airport. Yes. And things like that. What are you talking? Or a seg- what do you call them? Segway? What do you call those things? Segways? Segways? Yeah, yeah. I want a Segway when I'm at the ballpark. Like, you want to be like Paul Blart Mall Car. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll, work, we'll talk to the people back home. We'll, yeah. we'll talk work about on that. that. But you're doing a lot as Philly's ambassador. But, you know, we have a big date coming up June 10th. It's uh, Chevrolet Father's Appreciation Day. Okay. Um, and it's a big day for the 93 Club. It's, can you believe it's been 25 oh, years? Oh, that's right. It's Alumni Weekend. Alu- yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. 25? 25 years for the 93 yeah, team. I feel it. <laughs> Do you feel yeah, it a little bit? Unfortunately. <laughs> hey, and all, all fans are going to get a John, all fans 15 over, all men 15 over are going to get a Toyota John Cruck pullover. How about that? Wow. <laughs> Where can I get my hands it's on one? XXXXL. Does it come with a couple hot dogs? Sure. Mustard stains on the front. But it's pretty fascinating. Everybody loves that team, Mickey. And, you know, so we're going to get to the 93 team, but it's kind of interesting to trace your history and kind of how you uh, came to the Phillies, but also be part of that, you know, just remarkable team. But, uh, you know, I, I actually, I told you, I do, don't do any research for this show. That's the beauty of it, right, John? We could just sit down and talk for 45 <laughs> so minutes. you know nothing. I know nothing. Mickey, we tell the same stories that we've been telling to ourselves. Yeah. We just figured we're going to make it public. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, as you know, I did write a book, uh, co-authored a book about the 93 team, so I'm f- very familiar with that season. But I did a little checking on you, Mick, and I I had no idea you were born in Pittsburgh, yeah. and you, but you went. We all know you went to Indiana University, but uh, from Pittsburgh to Indiana University, how'd that happen? A little bit north of Pittsburgh, yeah, small town called Leechburg. Uh, graduating class of whopping ninety. Wow. Um, just uh, there, the college coach at IU had a best friend that lived in the Pennsylvania area, Pittsburgh area, and he did a lot of recruiting for him. So there were actually a lot of Western Pennsylvania players that went to Indiana because of this guy. So, uh, yeah, he helped recruit me there. Did you ever have Bobby Knight uh, display his temper towards you? Did you ever kind of <laughs> interrupt a basketball practice or anything? No, but I had Bobby Knight come to a couple IU games, just sit there, watch. And then I met Bobby Knight when he we were playing St. Louis because he was a good friend with Tony La Russa. So I met Bobby Knight, and he sends me a letter that year when I was with the Cubs saying what a you know great year I had and congratulations on making the playoffs with the Cubs. So I got this letter framed. So I went up to – I saw Bobby probably maybe six or seven years ago at an autograph show at the um, – here in Valley Forge. Forge. Valley Forge. Yeah. And I went up to him and introduced myself, and I don't think he had one iota of a clue who I was. So I don't know if it was just old age with him or – what? But uh, um, it was an it was an honor to meet him. One of the legends that I. Used. I mean, he's still revered, right? In Indiana basketball or Indiana campus. Yeah, he's revered there by all the fans and people, but will not go back because of how he mm-hmm. left the university. Huh. So they mm-hmm. had a reunion of the uh, the undefeated team, and everybody came back but him. 
Well, I think it's interesting. Before you got drafted by the Phillies in 88, you had an interesting uh, experience. You were on the Olympic team. Yeah, I was on the 1988 Olympic team. Um, and, you know, what a tremendous honor that was. But we got to go to Italy for three weeks. Hmm. And then we went to Japan for three weeks. So we were on a tour, you know, playing games before the Olympics started. <laughs> and we're on the team bus heading to a practice. And we had a couple of screwy guys that, you know, weren't all – all right with themselves. The wheel, the wheel is spinning, but the answer's still a little bit, yeah. And uh, so we're on this team bus going to this practice. And, you know, we're representing the United States, and, you know, we got to be good little boys. So we're eating these box lunches. Always got a box lunch. You really got tired of box lunches after a while. But uh, the windows are down on the bus because it's hot. it was hot there at the time. And there was a convertible coming up next to the bus, and one of our screwy players decided to throw their box lunch out the window into and the it landed right into the convertible, splattered everywhere. And this Japanese guy was not happy. He immediately slammed his and pulled in front of the bus, slammed his brakes, made the bus stop, got out of the car screaming in Japanese, and obviously uh, we got a scolding. Uh, about how to properly act while we're over there in Japan. The ugly, it wasn't pretty. Nikki International is the ugly, right. ugly American. How about that? But it could have been one of those things. You know, you do something stupid like that, and they may send you home, and you don't even get to participate in the Olympics. Yeah. So, did uh, you hear what the fanatic did in uh, Japan to Frank Kopenbarger? I did not. <laughs> what did you do? Uh, what did your best friend do? Yeah, I didn't do it, but the what fanatic. Did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did your best friend do, Tom? Well, we talked about know, this. The, but, but tell uh, Mickey. Frank got introduced <laughs> before the game because we were both over there for the All-Star oh, Series. Okay. Yeah, for the All-Star Series when the J- Japanese All-Stars plays the uh, MLB All-Stars. And the Fanatic was over there to entertain, and Frank was the equipment manager for the team. And when they introduced Frank, he goes out. They had him line up, start at second base. They had all these players. He's the first guy to get introduced. The Fanatic whips out a super soaker and soaks him right in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to stand out there the whole time. He stood out there the whole time, <laughs> cursing the Fanatic out like you can't believe, Mickey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One. That's why the Fanatic's the best. That's exactly right. So did, now, did uh, the did they win a medal? Did you guys win a medal? We won a gold medal that year, okay. so I do have a gold medal. And where gold do you medal. keep that? Well, uh, maybe you should, right now maybe kinda, you should be telling people. It's kind of hidden away in the house. But, okay. uh, you know, when I go out and do some public appearances, especially to young kids, I'll take it out with me and show some of the young kids. You know, it's no, not doing me any good sitting in a drawer, so it's nice to go out and display it publicly once in a while. So then you came to the Phillies, right? Drafted yeah. by the Phillies. Yeah. And yeah. you yeah. made your debut, major league debut in 1991. 90. 90 in 1990. Obviously, you didn't do any homework either. Well, we don't do prep on this show. No, obviously. <laughs> no prep. No, you were no here in 90, right? No, I was here in no. 94. Oh, okay. But what I think's really interesting, So, but your first full season was 91, correct, um, with the Phillies? You know, I, I got an interesting story that I'll tell. Uh, so I go to spring training. I played here in 1990 in September. I was a September call-up. So I go to spring training, and I'm going to throw out some names here. I hope I'm allowed to throw out names. So our manager's Nick Leva. Sure. So I go to spring training, and Randy Reddy and Wally Backman are on the team. Oh so boy. you got two veteran players and myself, who's a rookie. And Nick Leva came, called us into his room, and said, whoever hits the best here is going to make this team. Flat out. That's what he said. That's, that's what's going to make the difference. I hit about 280 that spring. Wally and Randy hit under 200. He took both of them out of spring training and sent me back to the minors. <sighs> What's up with that, Mick? I don't know, but talk about motivation right there. That was some motivation. So he gets fired two weeks into the season. They start out like 2-12 and 12 or something. You were heartbroken. Fergosi calls me up the <laughs> next day and was in the big leagues for the rest of my time. There it so. was. And what an interesting time in that uh, 
Lenny and Darren both were in the car crash in May of 91. Is that 91 yeah. or 92? 91. Uh, huh? It was 91. Okay. And then when they come back, you know, you, ru- you run off 13 straight in August, which I remember very well. You know, I mean, you guys were rolling. You were right. on a roll. And it was kind of like you saw glimmers of what the 93 team would become in that stretch. And then going into the 92 yeah, you season. you had a bad, bad opening day. Well, yeah. Not you, but, but 90, Lenny Dykstra. Right, in 92. Right, he got hit with the ball. The first, first pitch. pitch by Greg Maddox. And I'll never forget that because uh, we had a huge promotion that year. And that involved the uh, changing of the uniforms. We used to wear the burgundy, and we were going to what we now wear. And it was a huge promotion that we had the fanatic protecting these jerseys. We were out at uh, Center City in the window of a John Wanamaker's. The Fanatic is in a in a security guard outfit and he had a Brinks truck that he takes down to the stadium just before the game. But the cool part was the fans didn't know what the, the uniforms looked like. And Mickey, I remember we were when we were in spring training, we videotaped you and Darren Dalton pretending to open up the trunk that contained these uniforms. But you guys were both like, well, Dutch was shirtless. And you, you were... Yeah, that would be stupid. <laughs> of me to be shirtless next to Dutch. What were you thinking, Nick? I mean, come on. <laughs> no chance. It was the funniest video because we showed the video just just as the Brinks truck rolls down onto the field. They bring the, the trunks containing the uniforms uh, into, the, uh, into the, uh, the clubhouse. And then we showed this video that we'd already shot. And there's Mickey and Dutch opening up the, uh, the trunks and throwing the jerseys up, uh, up in the air. <laughs> and then two minutes later, the team takes the field. And it's the first time everybody sees the, the uniforms. Mm-hmm. But then... Uh, Dykstra steps to the plate. The, the place is packed. Everybody's pumped. And the second pitch yeah. uh, uh, breaks his wrist. Um, Greg Maddox does it. I mean, I- I've never seen a stadium deflate like that that day, that opener in 92. Did you guys feel it as a teammate? Oh, no question. I mean, you lose a player like that. Now, obviously, at the time, you didn't know it was broken, I don't think. But you knew it was bad when he pulls himself out of the game like that. And I mean, we had our first – series every year like Danny Tartable we get this big free agent Danny Tartable oh, when we were in seven, LA opening bats, up right? and oh. he fouls the ball off his foot in the yeah. first series and he's done for the year so it, it happened all the time with us we just I was I was really excited when we got Danny Tartable mm-hmm. mostly because he was on Seinfeld <laughs> yes he was <laughs> he was on Seinfeld he was driving around with George Costanza <laughs> yeah. and, and George Costanza got lost that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 92, you had the unassisted uh, triple play, too. That was huge. Yeah, and it was it was kind of neat because I did it in front of my whole family because I'm from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. and it, it was in Pittsburgh. So, you know, it was a five-second play, but I didn't, reala- I didn't realize how important it was after the game because I think I went 0 for 4, like four punchies that game. And uh, after the game, all the reporters are coming up to me like, what are you coming to me for? I stunk pretty much. And uh, they said, did you know you were the only, your first second baseman to turn on a sister play during the regular season and the second one to ever do it? Ever, and I yeah. said, man, I didn't know that. So it was. Uh, so is there some memorabilia in Cooperstown? There's a, the base is there and my jersey's there. And I think I gave him my glove at some point. I wasn't willing to give my glove up, you know, at the time. But I think I gave my glove up. Now, I have a ball. And Kurt Schilling has always said that he saw me roll the ball to the mound and he went back and got it. But if you watch the video closely, <laughs> he's just kind of moseying off the field, not thinking about anything. So I have a ball. I don't think it's the ball. But I know the next batter, the, the following inning, uh, hit a foul ball into the stands. 
So some fan probably has, has the it. actual don't ball and it. don't even know it. Have you brought your kids to Cooperstown to see that? The kids have seen it. We played in a 12U tournament up there. I used to coach my kids in travel ball, and they hold 12U tournaments up there, and uh, they've all seen it hanging, yeah. I've, I've kind of told them when I'm coming because they kind of – They'll put it out, and then they'll put it away for, you know, a year or so and bring some stuff out and mix it around. So I told them I was coming with my kids, and they had it out for us. It was, it's unbelievable. It, it is funny. I mean, you look at it, because I looked it up online, and it's, uh, I'm like, well, okay, assisted, you know, unassisted triple play. But 1927 was the last time it was done well, in the walk, National walk, League. Walk us through it's like, the wow. play. Tell, okay. tell exactly what happened. Yeah, we're playing the Pirates, and they have runners at first and second. Obviously no outs, and there's a full count. So Leland sends the runners on the full count, and Jeff King hits a line drive up the middle. I dive for it, catch it. I'm two steps from second base, tramp on second, and I go to throw to first, and Barry Bonds is standing right there. He made no effort to get back. You know, another two steps, and I tag him, hmm. hitting over. Really lasted 10 seconds at most. Aren't you surprised it hasn't happened more often, just for that scenario? Well, Three, it's got to well, be a lot going. of things right. There's got to be nobody out. Mm-hmm. There's got to be guys at first and second. And usually you don't send runners right. when there's no be outs because of that reason. Mm. So it doesn't happen a lot. Um, I know Eric Bruntlett did it a number of years later, but I don't count his as being legit because he made an error right before that play. To, to put guys in that position. So that shouldn't count if you make an error to, to do <laughs> right, it, right? Right. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, it worked. You're in Cooperstown. There you so go. There it is. There you go. Well, so I, wasn't that, get, I wasn't getting there any other is way. Is that kind of so. like when a, when, a, when a pitcher gives up, when a pitcher makes an error, it doesn't count towards his uh, earn exactly. run average. Right? Hmm. Right. But it when should. anybody makes an error, Right, it but it count. should, right? For, hit, yeah, for him it should, it, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly right. Well, again, you're laying the groundwork for 93, and something interesting happened that year, too, in 92. Phillies players were hit 51 times that year. I don't know if that's a record, but that's a big number. 51 times. Dave Holland. Now Dave was probably 20 of them. Yeah, 19. Very close. Yeah. He was hit 19 times. And I remember when we wrote the book, uh, Mickey, you know, talking to everybody and and hearing the story of Dave Hollins taking the pitchers aside and saying, listen, this has got to stop. Uh, if I get hit again, you know, I'm not going to go after the pitcher. I'm going to go after you guys because we're going to have a problem if, if you guys aren't going to start right. protecting Absolutely. us. Uh, do you remember that edict? Do you remember, um, you know, going into the 93 season, that spring training? Um, you know, I know there was a, a brawl, Tommy Green. Yeah, there was uh, a brawl in spring against yeah. the Cardinals. But Dave Hollins, that off season saw Greg Maddox because he had hit Dave maybe four or five times and, and Maddox had hit some other guys on the team. Dave had seen Greg Maddox at an event they were at together, pulled him aside and said, if you ever hit me again, I will kill you. And when Dave says that well, yeah. to somebody, <laughs> you've got to take that to you heart. You've got to take that a little seriously. And a lot of people think that when Maddox faced us in the world or the NLCS that year, that he was really afraid to pitch inside, that he was going to hit somebody, and left a lot of balls over the plate, and we hit him pretty hard. You, if we're going to skip ahead, you had yeah. one of the big hits, and it clunked off of his leg, and it knocked him out of the game. Yeah, right the there? first inning, I hit a bullet right off his shin. And uh, I think it did some damage. I think he, it started to bother him later in the game. And then later in the game, I know Dave Hollins hit a homer that game. And I think Dalton hit a homer. And then I hit the triple down the right field line to kind of seal it. So yep. um, we knocked him out in the sixth inning. So beating the Braves in, in LCS, was that probably the most exciting team moment for you? I, I just I know that when they, everyone ran onto the field, and was it Mitch fell onto the ground, right? When you see that whole the yeah, video. Yeah, when he falls to his knee. Yeah. Like yeah. that moment right there was. I mean, the Olympics. 
winning right. a gold medal game in the yeah. Olympics is yeah. pretty special. Uh, but as far as Major League Baseball career, that was probably the biggest moment, absolutely, as, ah. a, for, as far as the team is concerned. Well, let's let's take a break because when we come back, let's get more. Obviously, we want to talk more about that 93 team. So let's take a break, and we'll come back with Mickey Morandini. Celebrate 90s style and music at the Phillies 1990s Retro Night. Wear your shoulder pads and skinny ties and take lots of selfies Friday, June 8th at 7.05 against the Brewers. Tickets and more info at phillies.com. And we're back. Phillies backstage with Mickey Morandini. We're talking about the great 93 season. Uh, Boy, uh, what, what a great year. And what a cast of characters, right, Mickey? And again, I mean, hold on. When we're saying that, because coming up, coming up, June eighth, ninth, and tenth. That's right. We're celebrating the '93 team. We're going to have retro night on the eighth, which is going to be awesome. And then uh, it does culminate on Father's Day, Father's Appreciation Day, June tenth. Chevrolet is our sponsor. I thought it was Toyota. It's, is it? We better get that one right. right. right, right. You're, right. Oh, you're <laughs> killing me. All right, but we're talking about the great... <laughs> Toyota is the 2008. Correct, Sorry. correct. But uh, we're talking about that cast of characters. And, uh, John, you and I were talking about before, uh, you know, the whole idea of that offseason going into... Um, 93. I, I remember, uh, you know, Doug Drabeck was available. There were some kind of some big name guys available going into that season. And the Phillies wind up uh, in free agency. I know it was uh, Inky, uh, Pina Covilia, Danny, uh, Danny Jackson. It was Jim Eisenreich. David West, did he uh, come David in? West, I think, uh, yeah, that I season. Yeah, David came in. And um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, there were good players. Right. But not guys you would. Kind of thing, it, take it to yeah, the next and level. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I think from a fan standpoint, it was like, ah, who are these guys? Now, you looked at Ink, Inky's numbers. I mean, he was averaging 20 home runs a, a year, and we needed some pop in the lineup. Nobody knew at that time, you know, certainly the um, – uh, you know, the way Fergosi would put every, right. get everybody into the game. That was a, a big key to that season. But talk a little bit about uh, the characters. I know Danny Jackson was the guy who got everybody pumped up that year. Yeah, we all know the Danny Jackson pump up. Uh, <laughs> so in the middle of the year, we're going on the West Coast. We're going to San Francisco. And we were struggling at the time. And you know, we were all kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. And uh, there were some rumblings within the clubhouse, you know, blame, you know, blaming people and things like that. So... I think Danny had probably a couple beers in him, and uh, he just stands up and starts going off on everybody and goes, I'm going to show you how tough this team is. And he bangs his head off the luggage rack as a kind of a joke, you know, see how tough. And then about three minutes later, he's covered in blood because he, he, he put a huge gash on his forehead, and he's covered in blood, and he's still ranting and raving, and he looks down, and his suit's, you know, got blood all over it. And, you know, we go into San Francisco and sweep him. Yeah. So, so what, what you know, it worked. What was your reaction when he's doing this? I was this? like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. What's he doing? And we knew he was kind of crazy, and he's, he's a great guy, but, you know, the pump me up did pump us up. And uh, but when he banged his head, obviously he had probably you know a handful of beers in him, which helped help. He what he remembers from that because we talked to him about that, and uh, when we were doing the book, and uh, he he it was right where his hat line was. So if you ever see him like the game or two after that, his hat <laughs> is sitting real high on his head because he couldn't great. pull it down because he had the stitches there. But <laughs> now but, you had uh, all kinds of characters. You had uh, I mean even well, even your coaches, coaches were characters. So you had like Johnny Padres. Padres. I mean talk about old school. Pitching coach. Yeah, yeah, Johnny was great. We had, 
you know, it was a diversified team. You had some guys that were quiet, and you had some guys that were loud off the field, and you had guys that were loud on the field. And Johnny Padre, we're playing in, we're playing in Cincinnati. And at Old Riverfront Stadium, they used to shoot fireworks off when the home team hit a home run. So we 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 actually went through a stretch where we went to St. Louis and then to Cincinnati. We were just getting pummeled. Our starting pitching was awful. We kind of hit a slump. Um, Montreal and a couple other teams started catching up to us a little bit. So we're in Cincinnati. Starting pitching sucks. And the bullpen's been really taxied. So Tommy Green's starting, and he's getting slaughtered again. And we can't really go to the bullpen, so he's going to have to eat this one and eat up some innings. So, you know, Paul O'Neill comes up, hits a home run, fireworks go off. Larkin comes up, hits a home run, fireworks go off. So Padres takes his stroll to the mound. Tommy Green's got his back turned. He's rubbing up a new ball, looking in center field, and he turns around, there's Johnny Padres. So all the infielders come in. Tommy just starts going off on him. He goes, you know, what the hell are you doing out here? I know I'm getting my butt kicked. I'm doing the best I can. And he's ranting and raving to Johnny. And finally Johnny goes, Tommy, I didn't come out here to say anything to you. I just came out here to give the fireworks guy time to reload. (laughs) 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 And we all had a little chuckle and went back to our positions. And, you know, we righted the ship. But, you know, just a funny group of guys. Well, yeah, and leading one of the guys leading the charge, you had Larry Anderson on your team you know and uh larry uh you know just the 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 times to we we were told um frank copenbarger was telling us a story of uh cruck would always you know stay overnight you know when a saturday game night game going into a day game sunday day game but i know uh that year in san francisco i think la and t the green and cruck all slept in the trainer's room uh did you ever have a sleepover (laughs) never feel the need no but (laughs) i spent i spent uh, a night here till seven yes. o'clock in the morning That's when we had right. that double header game. When, when first, one, first one, second one started at one forty-five in the morning, and it was funny because at that time we probably had two hundred people in the stands, but everybody that was out at the bars when came the back. bars closed. Yep. They all came back in, and we went from 200 people to maybe, you know, three, 4,000 people, and we ended up winning at, four. I think it was 441. 441. And Mitch Williams. More, Mitch hit the base hit to, to win it. Where were you when he hit it? Um, I think I was on first, and yeah. so I went. I was running to third. And I, think I think Lenny scored. Yeah, I don't remember Inky who scored. scored. Um, and then, obviously, we all went out and, you know, jumped on Mitch. But I didn't get home till the sun was already up, maybe 7 in the morning. And we had another game the next day, and luckily Fergosi said, you know, show up at 6.30. We'll just strap it on. And, and that's another one from the WAC Pack. You're talking about, you know, all the different – you're talking uh, Macho Row and then the WAC Pack. But the funny thing is when you talk about the nice guys in the team or the normal guys in yeah. the team, all right, I know because I dealt with the 94 team, but I could probably count on one hand. I can count on one hand uh, the normal people. It's Mickey, <laughs> Kevin Stocker, Jim Eisenreich. Milt Thompson. Well, stock came up in July of 93. And and I think uh, after talking to some of the players that they kind of said, listen, it it was a crazy clubhouse, but let's lay off him a little bit. It's a shortstop position. He's got a lot on his plate. And didn't Boa Boa told him, don't worry about. Boa said, don't worry about hitting. Go play defense. And I think the, the theme was, you know, just let him go play. Yeah. You know, <laughs> lay you know, off him. <laughs> yeah, lay off him. Let him. Let right. him just kind of you know take it all in, and uh, you know eventually we'll <laughs> we'll work him into what we do here. But uh, stock was a huge bonus for us when he came. I think it was right before the All Star break. I'm mm-hmm. not, yeah. if I remember, and man, he hit too. He yeah, he had, did. You know, he was wasn't supposed to come up and hit that much, but 
He could hit. You know, that, you know everybody talks about Macho Row, and that, that clubhouse could have been divisive. It could have been clickish, but um, it, it seemed like you guys all got along. And it was, it was a diverse clubhouse, but you got along. I know you talked baseball all the time. You'd go out together for the most part. I mean, did you see it and, that way? And, was that, oh, no and was that influence really kind of, you had a manager, but really you had a manager in the clubhouse yeah, as all, Dutch. It was all Darren. Yeah. It was all Darren. He patrolled the, the clubhouse like nobody I, I ever had seen, or I don't think anybody ever will again. He just had that presence. You know, what he had been through, he'd been in the big leagues for a long time. He had all the knee surgeries, and for him to go out and catch 150, 155 games a year, uh, he earned our respect. And when their issue popped up, when there was a an argument or something on the field that happened that shouldn't have happened. He did it the right way. He took you aside. He didn't bury you in front of people. He didn't bury you in front of the paper. He took you aside and explained the situation to you, and you came out, and and uh, you were you you know he righted the ship. If there was something he couldn't handle, then Fergosi would handle it. But there wasn't a whole lot that Dutch couldn't handle in that clubhouse. You know, and he Darren Dalton uh, with that '97 team with the Marlins. He got tra- this will show you his leadership qualities. You know this that he got traded to the Marlins midseason and it was and is at that point he's on his last legs yeah. and they traded for him uh, specifically for a lack of leadership. They had Conine, they had Sheffield, they had Benia, but they needed leadership. They had the talent, but they didn't. Ha- so they traded for him and he played outfield. Never played outfield. I think he played first, didn't he? Too? He played first and he played, but he also put him in outfield. I think the first time yeah. and replaced Sheffield. And Sheffield was not happy. Darren confronted him on the team plane. Backed him down, and next thing you know, the ego thing went away because of Darren, and the rest is history. The team goes on to win the World Series. Yeah, he made the trainer's room in Philadelphia uh, the place kind of right. where – and he did the same thing in, down there in uh, Florida and said, hey, if you want to win, follow me. Yep. And he did it. Yeah, we'd all go into the training room after the game and eat and ice and do what you had to do in there, and there'd be a – dozen people in there just talking baseball. We talk about that game. We talk about the upcoming game. We talk about certain pitchers and situations. It was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And uh, congratulations keeping your uh, your uh, marriage together that season too. Uh, yeah, there's, the I think there's three of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, three left that kept the marriages <laughs> together. There's there three was, of us. There so were some yeah. divorces. I know uh, two, or two of the normal guys, right? <laughs> Me, Stock, Stop. and Schilling, believe it or not, I think okay. are the only three. All right. I remember Mariana Duncan telling the story you got Got home from the 441 game, you know, at you know seven o'clock in the morning, and his wife's lays starts laying into him. He's like, "No, no, yeah, we played till um, yeah. almost five o'clock in the morning, and <laughs> yeah, right. she didn't believe it." Yeah. <laughs> now, Dykstra obviously had his superstitions. Did you, did that? Do you did you have any superstitions playing the game? Like, did you change out your batting Not a gloves lot. when you weren't doing well? No, or? I didn't do any of that. Um, you know, I, I never touched the white line ever. Okay. Uh, going in and off the field. And once in a while, if I had a really good game, I'd eat the same thing the next day or take the same route to the ballpark or the same route home, things like that. But nothing nothing real big. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, you, you then after your playing days, you know, I used to run into you in the minor leagues too. And, um, you know, how would – how did your managerial uh, career go? Did, did you, <laughs> in terms of, did you enjoy yourself, Mick, riding the, the buses and, and leading uh, some and, of and, our and, young players? And if I remember correctly, weren't you kind of a, uh, you were such a calm, you have such a calm demeanor laid back. Really? But weren't you kind of the, uh, the little bit out of control, Lou Pinellish, as a minor Couple league manager? Times. We yeah. have it on YouTube, Mickey. We, we did I a little research. On, we saw a YouTube. great, you, you blowing I, up at an umpire. We're like, look I at might, Mickey. I might be the only guy that ever get thrown out of a ga- the same game twice. What? Yeah. How does that happen? Well, umpiring down there is awful for one. Yeah. Umpire, I'm going to be honest with you, umpiring in general is awful. <laughs> um, 
But in low A ball, it's not good. So we had a, a, a situation with our guys on base. And, and you're with the Lakewood Blue Claws Lakewood Blue Claws. And our guy hit a line drive that the shortstop purposely dropped, and they ended up getting three outs on it. But they should have only gotten one or two. So I went ballistic on this guy and got thrown out. So the game goes extra innings. So I'm sitting in the tunnel, right, kind of still watching the game, but where the umpires couldn't see me. And Larry Green is up, and we were awful. And that, that's part of the reason I loved managing, and I still want to manage. But we ha- our minor leagues were awful at the time, and we weren't winning any games, and it was getting ugly. And So Larry Green's up in the extra innings, and the pitcher literally bounced a curveball, and the umpire called it strike three. So I'm fuming, but I, I, I know I can't go back out on the field. <laughs> so our pitcher comes out to start the top of the inning, and – and he has he picks up the ball and he doesn't he looks at it, he doesn't like it so he flips it to the umpire well the umpire wasn't looking at the time and it hit him and automatically he threw him out oh my goodness so I saw that yeah so I ran back out <laughs> on the field back out there and I started <laughs> arguing again like, and he <laughs> threw me out a second time <laughs> now do you get fined in the minor I got leagues? suspended for a game <laughs> okay. yeah well so. You- and I you, think I got thrown out four times in the minor leagues. <laughs> twice and in twice one game. in the big now, leagues. Also, you've taken that because uh, you were a longtime uh, coach in the uh, in fantasy camp. Now you're the commissioner right. for the last two or three years. But uh, I saw you get thrown out a couple of times <laughs> in fantasy <laughs> camp. At fantasy camp, Mickey? I thought I don't you were know the if good I got guy. thrown well, out. Come not, on, Brave. Maybe you just deserved to get thrown a, out. I argued a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just did a speech at the Hall of Fame. They inducted kids into the Hall of Fame in Delaware County yesterday. And. I talked about, you know, being a high school senior and things, but uh, uh, what were we just talking about? I'm losing Fantasy my camp. Getting thrown, thrown out, out, right? Yeah. Um, no, I lost my train of thought. Do you want to go to the trivia? Yeah, go to the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my story there. See, we it should make you a co-host. Getting old. Yeah, you fit right you in. You fit right in with That's us. Right. It really sucks getting old, I'm telling you. You forget stuff. You just got to take your Metamucil. Man. Well, I don't know if this is going to get much better. John has been trying to uh, give the backstage challenge to our guests, and it's a trivia question, uh, trivia um, test, I guess, John. To people's areas of strength. Right. Okay? So... Obviously, your area of strength, we talked a lot about the 93 season, and it is June 8th, 9th, and 10th. Chevrolet is a big part of that sponsor <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> he to, looked it up. I have to make up. Yeah. We're going to give you a Chevrolet John Cruck pullover nice. to all men 15 and it's over be on awesome. that uh, Sunday, and you're going to be part of that, Mick. But, yes, you ready for your trivia challenge? And then maybe you can is remember Is this that. about me or no? Uh, no. Oh. No, not at all. So it's about the 93 general. team. It okay? is about the 93 team. That is lead, your category. I'm nervous. We'll lead, we'll lead you off with a layup, Okay. Who? What are you winking for? Who? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't supposed to see that. Oh. <laughs> Who led the team in batting average in 1993? Eisenreich. Tom, no. would you like to tell him the answer? Larry Anderson. <laughs> oh, you can't count that. <laughs> in one hit. He went one for one. one for one. He batted 1,000. Uh, don't Nick, count. He, uh, we had to ask that because Harry had some great lines. After he got a hit, he got a hit, and he goes, oh, Larry Anderson gets hit every three years, so get your season tickets for the 1996 <laughs> season. And then he goes, actually, he gets he gets a hit every three years, so he's batting 333. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One hit in three years. Uh, I believe if you're going to really go legit, it would be probably Kevin Stocker at 
2024. But uh, so you're wrong twice. What he hit? I don't know. I have to look that up. That, that, Come on. These, these are not. Uh, we don't have an accounting firm uh, looking at these. <laughs> no, remember, this was 25 <laughs> years ago, yeah, right? We'll, we'll have to look that up. Maybe That's the, true. <laughs> the accounting no, firm. No, you're probably right. Brazier Burgoyne. No, is not he hasn't so good. been right yet. Maybe. No, I haven't no? been right. With, yeah. All right, there was three pitchers with uh, that led the team in complete games with seven. Who are the three pitchers? Mal Holland. Yeah. Schilling. Yeah. I'll go. I'll go DJ. Nope, Tommy, Tommy Green. Green. Tommy Green. All right, now that now this is plate you need four appearance. or five, so you Uh-oh. need to get the next three. Rob Brooks, I'm gonna. What happens <laughs> if I don't? Is this Jim Eisenberg? <laughs> if I don't, if I don't. All right. Okay. So, so we throw you out the window. If I don't get any of these right, do I have to? Do I like get invited back? Yeah, is that, is that my punishment? Back. Yes. And you can tell the story you forgot. Okay. All right. I still can't remember what Wait, I was. He's over two. He's already lost. All right, so then now remember, this is plate appearances. Okay, plate appearances. Uh, who led the team in plate appearances? With six hundred. Well, my guy had to be Lenny. Six hundred and fifty-one. Had to be Lenny. Again, plate appearances. That well, my God, he let off. He let off, and he. Okay, well, it wasn't Lenny. It was Kreck with six fifty-one. Lenny had six thirty-seven. Okay, who was? Can you give me any more trick questions? All right, how about this one? Who was second in the team in stolen bases? <laughs> Probably me. <laughs> there it is. You got it. Can you believe what, it? What, at nine? <laughs> no, you're 13. 13. Next to Lenny Dykes, Lenny you're at 37. Yeah. All right. Now, if you get this, we'll call this a win. Okay? <laughs> wow, that's generous. <laughs> it's, it's that's new, very generous. It's new math here. If you get this, you get a win. Okay? So, who led the team in hit-by-pitches with eight? Hit-by-pitches in 1993. Stalker. Kevin Stalker's correct. Dang. And Mickey is Boom! I don't, know if he's a out. I don't know if Mickey's a winner, but he... Because I know you're doing all these <laughs> trick questions, so you thought I was going to say Hollins. Say Dave Hollins, right. But Hollins has only hit five times that year, so he went from 19 to 5, so that, you know, it that worked. threatening the pitchers worked. worked. Now, before we let you go, we talked fantasy camp. How much fun is that? Because you're the commissioner, right? I mean, did, right, you've got all these guys down. You get to see all your former teammates. We mentioned a lot of these guys. You see Danny Jackson. You see Kevin Stocker. You see, well, L.A. used to be down there as a commissioner. Right, but that's got to be a blast. Well, from your it's a perspective. blast. Well, for one, you get to see, like you said, a lot of people you don't get to see during the year. A lot of '93 guys there, and Bull goes down, and um, there's just, you know, Crucky's down there, and Mike Lieberthal, who I don't get Dave, to see a Dave lot, Hollins. and Dave Headley's down there, and Milt, and all those guys. So from that aspect, it's great. And then, you know, you get to hang out and drink beers and and hang with all these. You know, 50, 60, 70 year old people that you know had dreams of playing ball one day, and they get out there and play games. It's just it's a it's a five days of nothing but fun. Well, I got in this year and actually had to pitch for Von Hayes and Marty Bystrom's team, and I, my arm to this day, I think it's my rotator cuff. I think I did some serious damage to it. So, thank you very much for uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin the blame. Is on that you. why you brought this just so you could tell that story that all. you pitched down there? Not at all. I was trying to get a plug for fantasy camp. Oh, okay. How about that? See that? You were. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't. I, actually, I was trying to give. Let's you, just say you was, didn't show your athleticism was, on the mound. I know that. <laughs> I was trying to buy some time so you'd remember that story, but it didn't work. So. <laughs> didn't you like throw a couple of scoreless innings and then I, and then it went downhill from there? I no? did, but but we don't know whether they're earned or unearned because oh. in fantasy, well, they're all fantasy they're all earned they're all down there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then he wound up in traction. That's how it all ended for hey, John. If, if I figure out what I was trying to say there earlier, can we come in and end this? Yeah, we'll, yes. we'll edit it. I still don't know what I was trying to say. Mickey. 
quarantine. <laughs> Nikki, thank you very much for uh, welcome, being guys. here. It's awesome having you. Uh, John, another great show. And, uh, hey, yeah, so if you want to see the 93 team, come on down uh, June 10th. It's Father's Appreciation Day. Chevrolet Father's Bye Appreciation Day. <laughs> and John Kruk, uh, pull over. I think we've hammered that one to death, John. Yep. But it's going to be great. Come on down. It's always a good time down here at the ballpark. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you at the ballpark. See you guys.